Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. I'm Brendan Schaefer, bringing you another podcast here on Thursday, February 4th. As I mentioned yesterday, we're going to do this today. We're going to talk about Colton Wong leaving the Cardinals to go to the Milwaukee Brewers, though it's not as though it was a decision that he would have made for himself. He had the $12.5 million option at the end of last season. Cardinals could have picked it up for the 2021 campaign, elected not to do so. Of course, so much has happened since that decision was made, and we're going to be here today to break it all down and kind of talk about the end to Colton Wong's career as a Cardinal and some of the reasons that I think it came to be. In the way that it stands in stark contrast to Yadier Molina and the expectations we have surrounding his future with the Cardinals, he's not currently with the team, he's a free agent, but he's participating in the Caribbean Series as a member of Team Puerto Rico. That is ongoing, and so the expectation is once that's finished up, Yachty will indeed re-sign with the Cardinals. Whether it's a one- or two-year deal is going to be interesting to follow. Cardinals, from all the reports out there, have only been willing to give him the one-year contract. Yachty, of course, as we know, going all the way back to last winter warm-up, which is over a year ago at this point, said he wanted a two-year contract after his deal expired in 2020. So we'll see what he ultimately gets from the Cardinals. But the expectation is that he'll be back, right? And there are a lot of reasons for that. You look at the catcher position, the wealth of experience that Yachty brings to the table at that spot. He's been with the Cardinals since 2004 when he came up for the first time and played a portion of that season, his debut year in the major leagues. Yachty's been there the entire time, a critical member to two world championship teams in 2006-2011. The awards and accolades have piled up throughout his career in St. Louis, nine-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glove Award winner. He's won a Silver Slugger and has taken home four Platinum Glove Awards in his career. So there's no doubting the legacy that Yadier Molina brings to the Cardinals and is going to leave with the Cardinals when one day his number is on the outfield wall of Bush Stadium and his statue is outside the building itself. I'm not questioning any of this, and I want to enter this conversation. You're thinking, okay, conversation about Colton Wong, why so much talk about Yadier Molina? Because it dates back to yesterday on Twitter, conversation that I had that was created by a follower who I thought had an interesting comment that they made in a reply to my tweet which stated this. Here's my tweet. It was a quote tweet of John Morosi, who was sharing the news of Colton Wong signing with the Milwaukee Brewers on a multi-year contract. And I retweeted that and said, that's a gut punch for Cardinals fans as Wong goes to a division rival. And then I said, at least not the Cubs, question mark. Because I have to imagine, as I mentioned yesterday in the, the brief time we talked about Wong at the beginning 
of yesterday's episode, which if you haven't listened to it yet, scroll on down. A little bit more of a preview, a little bit wrapping up Nolan Arenado, the trade after it had become official, talking about what the Cardinals gave up. That was kind of yesterday's episode, but I previewed a little bit of what I would talk about today because after this Twitter exchange, I knew that I wanted to. I knew I wanted to have this conversation. And here's, I I read you the tweet that I sent out, and here was the reply that kind of started all of this. Mike McCarty, follower of mine on Twitter, he said the logic on Edmund playing second base effectively and saving money would be the same argument for Kisner instead of re-signing Yachty. So reactions to Colton Wong signing with the Brewers were all over the map yesterday on Twitter from Cardinals fans. And I didn't think what I said was very controversial to say that it's a gut punch for the Cardinals fans to see Wong go to a division rival. Glad it's not the Cubs because it could that would be I mean, could you imagine Wong and Javi Baez on the same infield for the Cubs? Turning double plays? That would feel icky. That would have to feel gross if you're a Cardinals fan, I would imagine. Most people out there would agree with that sentiment. Maybe not, though, because yesterday on Twitter, a lot of people in replies, tweet got 55 replies. I'm not going to go through all of them, but some of them, the sentiment that was shared, not really Cardinals could have signed him or not released him if they wanted him. Okay, Cardinals could have signed him. That doesn't mean that it's not a disappointment to the fans that they didn't. People said it is, but it isn't. I'll miss his defense. That's about it. Other people talking about how he can't hit sliders and breaking balls inside, so he's an easy out. Here's another one. How is this a gut punch? I'm glad to see one-dimensional player go and see more well-rounded one take his place. Lots of replies with that kind of sentiment, and I was kind of surprised. I, I guess I shouldn't have been because people on Twitter will find a reason to complain about anything. And if you're one of those people and you recognize your tweet, know that I disagree with you, the one that I just read. Because it's it's just a ridiculous notion that a player like Colton Wong, who has been a member of the Cardinals organization, not as long as Yadier Molina, nobody has. Nobody has been there that long, not even Adam Wainwright. So to, to set that as the bar of expectation, as a lot of people did yesterday, on the day that Colton Wong officially leaves the team, you know, he was a free agent, so he wasn't a member of the organization anymore. Technically, Yachty isn't right now either. But when he signs with another team, that's when you know he's not coming back. It is over. And so that was the finality that came about yesterday with him signing with the Brewers. Ken Rosenthal, I believe, reported it was a two-year contract for $18 million that Colton signs with Milwaukee. But the thing that irked me, the fact that all these people are replying rather than the sentiment of, yeah, we're going to miss him. Yeah, his defense was fun to watch. Yeah, he was a two-time gold glover consecutively over the last two years and you know, had some memorable moments in the postseason. None of that would seem to be the sentiment from about half the people replying to this tweet. Talking about, well, he got picked off in 2013. Like, it's 2021. Are we really still rehashing that situation? Colt Wong getting picked off of first base in a World Series game that the Cardinals were going to lose anyway? You know, as a rookie, and we're still talking about that as he's on his way out of town after a solid decade in the organization, and I guess it was eight years that he played in the big leagues with the Cardinals. It's crazy to me 
that that's the reaction for a lot of people. Well, Tommy Edmond will be just fine. Well, yeah. I when did I say anything about Tommy Edmond? I wasn't talking about Tommy Edmond. I'm talking about the guy that just signed with the Brewers, who was a was an integral member of the Cardinals for several years, member of the team of the organization for over a decade, with the team in the majors for eight years, and a, and a big part of the team the last several. And for whatever reason. Cardinals fans, and look, I'm not saying that I expected Colton Wong to re-sign. That's not what I'm saying when I say it's a gut punch to see him go to the Brewers. I would think it would be a gut punch, though, because of the value he's brought to the team. But I guess people are so, you know, Nolan Arenado is great. Cardinals are going to be glad they've got him. And Tommy Edmond, if he's the, the replacement option at second base for Wong, he's going to do a fine job. Tommy Edmonds has been a quality big leaguer in the two years that he's been with the Cardinals at the major league level, and he hasn't really had one set position that he's had the luxury to be able to play. They've moved him around. They've made him an outfielder. They've made him a third baseman. Second base, I think he saw a little bit of time this past summer at shortstop, if I remember correctly. And so he's been all over the map, but he's been able to produce. Didn't have as good of an offensive year in his second year, but I'm not holding that against him the same way I don't hold it against Colton Wong, Paul DeYoung, many of the other Cardinals who had a lot going on. We talked about it at the end of the season. They've got to be better offensively. You know, you can't just wash all of it away, all of the failures to score consistently on a game-to-game basis. You can't wash all that away because COVID happened last year. That's not what I'm saying. That's never what I was saying. But there's definitely room for improvement. And you're going to have to improve if you want to be able to get to new heights that you weren't able to reach last season or even back in 2019 when the Cardinals were eliminated from the NLCS without scoring very many runs. Like, that's the reason they lost that series to the Nationals. They couldn't score. Their pitching wasn't that bad. And so that's been a a huge topic of conversation that we've discussed surrounding Cardinals baseball for the last several years. But Nolan Arenado coming is going to go a long way toward fixing that you'd have to imagine that's the plan anyway for the organization and I think in a lot of ways the fan base agrees with that because they're so wrapped up in the fact that well the Cardinals got Arenado and sure you can have Tommy Edmond now play second base because you no longer need him to play third that doesn't matter you can let Colton Wong go no big deal and again this isn't me saying that based on the current structure of the Cardinals roster you know there was an obvious need to have Colton Wong return I don't know that it was necessarily a huge need based on the fact that you have Edmund. I'll concede that, and I understand it, and I think Edmund is a good player. I understand the logic behind if he is a three-wins-above-replacement guy and Wong you project, if you said he's four, whatever you said, if he's a little bit better than what you project Edmund to be, or if potentially they're close to equal, which I, I don't necessarily think they are, but I, I could understand somebody saying that. Anything's possible, and it'll bear out the 2021 season like we're going to get to see. And so that's why I don't like to pin anything down and say unequivocally Colton Wong will have a better 2021 than Tommy Edmund. We don't know that. And so because one guy is much cheaper than the other and you have these other perceived needs that you still have, the fact that you do have Nolan Arenado now, and so while the Cardinals somehow are going to end up not really paying him any money for the season, ultimately that's adding to your payroll, decreasing to some extent your flexibility for now and the future, And so you do have to be aware of that. And so people are praising the Cardinals. Not even praising, but they're saying, I'm not that worried about losing Colton Wong because Edmund will do a good job. And it just disappointed me because that's not the basis of of what I'm trying to say. I think you can be allowed to appreciate 
a guy like Colton Wong who has been with this organization and, and with this city for a decade. That's all I was trying to say. And the fact that I got this tweet that I read from Mike McCarty who replied with the argument that, hey, if you're going to say go cheaper than Wong by having Tommy Edmond play second, why is that any different than the idea that you'd rather have Andrew Kisner get a crack at catcher because he's going to come a lot cheaper than Yadier Molina? And people did not agree with him, but I retweeted it with just the shrug emoji. Like, eh, what can you say? I, I, You don't have to convince me. Like, I don't even feel that he's wrong. And a lot of people did. A lot of people felt that I was wrong, and we went back and forth, and it was a good conversation. But I said it's not a conversation that really works very well on Twitter because there are a lot of intricacies to what I feel in the way I'm trying to describe this, and it just doesn't bear out in 140 or 280 characters like you have to do in an individual tweet. And by the time you sent the next one, you're forming a thread. Somebody's already replied to that one, and they're yelling at you, and and then you want to yell at them, and it just doesn't work out. So that's why I said, you know what, I'm just going to podcast about it because while I don't think the comparison is completely apples to apples, I don't think it's nearly as apples to oranges as a lot of people suggested that it was based on the fact that Yachty's a catcher and Colton Wong's a second baseman and Andrew Kisner's unproven, all this stuff. I think if you just were to look at the argument based on in wins above replacement, it's not the end-all be-all, as I like to say, but it's a very valuable tool. I think that you can look and say, yeah, that's going to measure a player's value to a team compared to another player over the same stretch of time. So that's what I'm looking at when I say, all right, let's go, let's go look at it. Let's look at wins above replacement because I did that for Cardinals position players over the last three years. And maybe this would surprise you the most valuable Cardinal over the last three years by wins above replacement. Unless you saw my tweet today, in which case it wouldn't surprise you because you've already seen the answer. But the answer is Paul DeYoung at 8.0 wins above replacement. And this is per Fangraphs. Fangraphs has their own version of war. Baseball Reference has one. Multiple sites have their own kind of tweaks to the formula, so they're going to come out a little bit differently. And in reality, when you hear that terminology of war, wins above replacement, know that all the MLB teams probably have their own slight variation to the way they tabulate. And they may not even call it war. They may call it something else. Everybody's going to have their own internal evaluation system. That's why you know all these teams have analytics departments at this point in time, and they've got guys that are crunching the numbers and trying to figure out what the values of players are so they can figure out which players to go and acquire, figure out how to win games, win a championship. That's what it's all about. But the ones you most commonly hear are fan graphs, baseball reference, that have their wins above replacement metric, and that's public data. And so that's what we as media, as fans, are going to use to compare these players. But in the case of the Cardinals over the last three years, and remember, Paul Goldschmidt had not yet arrived for the first year of this, so I'm going to do a second tabulation involving Goldie just over the last two years. If Goldie's numbers from 2018 were included, he has the most war among players that are currently on the Cardinals, although I guess with Nolan Arenado now in the picture, that might not be true. I haven't looked that up. But Arenado had a little bit of a down 2020, so maybe Goldie might still have it. I don't know. But if you look at just the last three years before Goldie came to the picture, so this does include 2018. Number two right behind Paul DeYoung is Colton Wong at 7.9. So there's a 0.1 difference between the two. 
in wins above replacement among Cardinals position players over the last three seasons. Carpenter is at 6.5. Bader is at 6.4. A lot of Carpenter's numbers came just from that 2018 season because he was so good that year that it kind of buoyed him up into the top four among the Cardinals for 2018 to 2020. Just over the last two years, Goldschmidt would be on top at 5.1. But guess who's right behind him? Colton Wong, 5.0 over the last two seasons. And remember, that's not two and a half per year because this last year there was only 58 games. So it was the numbers are going to be lower than what they would be over any other two-year sample for quality players. But Goldie at 5.1, Wong at 5.0, DeYoung 4.7, and then there's Tommy Edmond, 4.1. So does this lend itself to the fact that, hey, he's nipping at Wong's heels anyway without a consistent position, without consistent playing time necessarily because he he jumped onto the scene a little bit late there in 2019 got a lot of playing time that year but not necessarily a full season's worth and then of course last year just 58 games so the fact that Edmund 4.1 wins above replacement over the last two years Wong 5.0 that's only 0.9 less so by that element of the argument absolutely Wong can be replaced by Edmund and the Cardinals can maybe not miss too much of a beat and they can do it for cheaper I get that. And, and again, you have to remember that Arenado being available at third base is going to decrease the necessity for a guy like Edmund to play over there. I get that as well. But I saw a tweet from somebody, and I don't remember who it was. I wish I could accurately cite this. And if you happen to be a listener of the podcast, hit me up in a DM. I know it's somebody that I talk to frequently, but I couldn't remember who it was. But they said what the Dodgers would have done is they would have turned Tommy Edmund into Kike Hernandez and just kept Colton Wong and had him be the second baseman. Like, that's okay. And I did take a moment to look it up. It was Zach Gifford who sent that tweet out yesterday, and I fully agree with it. The Cardinals could have kept Colton Wong. Boom, there's your second baseman. Yeah, you've got Arenado at third. That's great. You've got Goldie at first. That's really good. Paul DeYoung is a sturdy, solid defender and hopefully will return a little bit of that offensive prowess to his game at shortstop in 2021, and you have Yachty behind the plate. I don't think there would be a better defensive infield in baseball, and it's true to say there still might not be than the Cardinals in 2021, but you're talking about like a historic defensive infield alignment if you had Colton Wong at second base. And all right, you say Tommy Edmonds a good player. He's fourth on the Cardinals and wins above replacement the last two years. Absolutely. What's your point? He can play. Put him somewhere. You know somebody's going to get hurt, or you know that guys are going to underperform in the outfield. Like, there's going to be opportunity. There always is. And so I think it would have been really fascinating to see how maybe the Cardinals could have been not ahead of the game because, like Zach mentioned, the Dodgers just did it. They had Kike Hernandez, and they they played him everywhere, and he was a regular member of their team, and, and they just won a world championship. So I think there's a case to be made, and though I'm not making it definitively to say I'm critical of the Cardinals for not re-signing Colton Wong. And it's going to come off and sound that way because clearly Colton Wong was a guy that I I liked talking to, appreciated him as a Cardinal, appreciated him as a Cardinals fan even before I became a writer. So just I loved what Colton brought to the table for not just the Cardinals, for the city of St. Louis. I think he was a great ambassador for St. Louis sports. And so, yeah, to me, on a personal level, disappointing to see him go. But I also can step back and say, 
let's evaluate this. What are the reasons the Cardinals are electing to spend some of their money that could have gone to Wong, which again, it wouldn't have even necessarily been the $12.5 million. They could have presumably signed him to this two-year $18 million deal. I don't know if he would have taken it. I imagine he would have, you know, seeing what the Cardinals are doing, especially after getting Arenado, wouldn't you love to be a part of that? I, I don't have any inside information or reason to believe that there's a falling out to where Wong wouldn't have taken that deal. I don't know the answer to that, though. I just don't. It seems to me that he would have. Okay, so that's all it would have been is $18 million over two years. And I think that's a pretty good value. You can still play Tommy Edmond. Everything works out. So it's weird to me that that's not Cardinals fans' reaction across the board. And some of them were saying that. Obviously, you know, if Zach was saying it, others were saying it. Not maybe that specific way of phrasing it, but that was a great way that he that he brought that up and said, look, you can have Tommy Edmond, a valuable player on the team, fill the Tommy Edmond role. Why does he have to take Colton Wong's role to save some money? Okay, you added Arenado. I get that's going to add to the payroll. But let's get into this. What I started talking about at the beginning, we'll, we'll kind of circle back to it now, Yadier Molina. It's a foregone conclusion that he's coming back. We don't know the price. Will it be $8 million a year, $9 million a year? I think it could end up being around that. Might be a little bit lower, perhaps, with incentives that could take it above that. you got to remember, Yachty made $20 million on his previous contract for average annual value. And he still considers himself the best catcher in the game. You've seen his Instagram posts. You've seen him be vocal in public about you know, not winning the gold glove, not being even a finalist for the gold glove, and that the way he interpreted that, he wasn't a fan of it. And so you know that he still thinks very highly, has a lot of confidence in himself and the way he performs every year, year in, year out. So I say all this to anticipate that it's possible he could still have a, a pretty hefty contract, even if it's just for one year. And he, you know, the Cardinals are going to have to spend that money. It's going to go to Yadier Molina. I'm not questioning that. I'm not saying, personally, I would dump Yadier Molina too and let Andrew Kisner have a crack at it, though I think Kisner could potentially, in a similar way to Edmund, could be the poor man's Wong, I think Kisner, at this point in his career, talking about Yachty, could be the poor man's Yachty. If you look at wins above replacement. There are a lot of things that Andrew Kisner could not do that Yachty or Molina does, and those are the intangibles and a big reason that the Cardinals want to bring him back. Another reason, though, I don't think you can deny this, is the legacy aspect of it. A lot of people were saying, before Arenado happened, they're saying, I don't have high hopes for the Cardinals this year because it doesn't look like they're going to do a whole lot. So what I would like to see is bring back Adam Wainwright, bring back Yadier Molina, and let's run it back one more time for the memories, whether this team is a playoff team or not, whether they can win the division, win World Series. That's kind of the sentiment a lot of people were saying. Like, yeah, you know, let's just bring him back so I can enjoy more memories of the guys that have been beloved and cherished Cardinals for the last 15 years or more in some cases. Both their cases, really this point and so if there's an argument for sentimentality i can totally support that and understand it i just think it's interesting that we totally because of the fact that colton wong hasn't won these world series and he's not going to get a statue because of that it's like well we don't need him anymore who cares like the disconnect there is is bizarre to me because if you're a fan of the cardinals that appreciates sentimentality and appreciates guys who stay and who can play their whole career here in St. Louis, which I think you should appreciate. You can you can decide as a fan whatever you want to appreciate. That's what I would appreciate because I think it's meaningful. But if you appreciate that for these two guys, I, I think it's interesting that Wong doesn't qualify. 
And in the Cardinals' eyes, he didn't qualify either because he didn't get that sort of legacy treatment, legacy contract offer. Now, Wong is still 30 years old, and so obviously at a different place in his career, but because of that, he's still contributing at a high level. And we, and again, I've been talking about war. I've been kind of teasing this leading up to this, so I'm just going to break it down. Here are the numbers because we've done it between Edmund and, and Wong, 5.0 for, for Wong, 4.1 for Edmund. What would the comparison be between Yadier Molina and Kisner? And again, before I do it, it's not a fair comparison because Kisner hasn't played. His is probably zero. I actually haven't, I didn't even bother to look his up yesterday. I'll do it now just so we can have that on the record. But really it's about how much above zero is Yadier Molina. Because I have to assume Andrew Kisner can at least be replacement level, right? The intangibles aren't going to be there. The wealth of, you know, decades of experience behind the plate is not going to be there. But from a baseball stats standpoint, from a wins above replacement standpoint, which is the argument that Mike was making in that tweet reply, Mike McCarty, from that standpoint, I think there's I think it, there's some merit to the idea that, yeah, Kisner could be a poor man's Yadier Molina at this point in Yadier Molina's career. Like, if that's an argument that you're willing to make about a five-win player over the last two years in Colton Wong, dismissing the impact he's had because of the fact that Tommy Edmond exists, why is it that drastically different when talking about Yadi? Because Yadi's war over the last two seasons, 1.2 and then 0.5 for a total of 1.7. Remember, Wong was 5.0. Talking about Yachty, 1.7. Again, different positions. There are things required of Molina as a catcher that are not required of Wong as a second baseman. I keep repeating it because I don't want my point to get lost in the fact that somebody would say, well, they play different positions, you can't compare. Like, I totally get that. But five wins above replacement and 1.7, you can't ignore the value. All right, so... That's where Colton Wong stands versus Yadier Molina. So Edmund, again, this is not a knock on Tommy Edmund. I think he should be playing darn near every day in one position or another. But that could be a corner outfield spot one day. That could be second base another day. That could be third base every once every two weeks without Arenado. You know, that could be first base once every two weeks without Goldsmith in the lineup. Like, there are ways to do it. And that's assuming that we don't have a designated hitter, which very well may happen. As of right now, it doesn't look like it will, but you never know. They've they changed things so much going back and forth between the league and the union. I wouldn't be totally stunned if it were to come around that even while they're in spring training, they change their mind about that one. But again, if Edmund can be 90% of what Colton Wong can be, why can't Andrew Kisner be 90% of what Yachty has been, which is... And again, I'm talking about wins above replacement, 1.7 of the last two years. And that's basically a season and a half. I know he spent some time injured during a portion of 2019 and then did have COVID in 2020, which again, I could understand if you know, you're talking about that's going to be a reason for a decline to his performance. But But the power to his game offensively hasn't really been quite on the same level for a couple of years now. He's still a clutch hitter. No question about it, but overall, Andrew Kisner wouldn't have to be an exceptional hitter to be able to do what Yachty does. Um, maybe not from a clutch standpoint, but just talking about compare OPS, compare batting average, compare slug, compare these things. I don't think it's crazy to suggest. Yes, there are a lot of things that Yachty does that Kisner could not do. Those are the intangibles, and I totally get that, but we're talking about the numbers right now. And I feel like if in our heads we don't think 
that Kisner can be 90% of 1.7 war over two years. It's got to be because we're caught up in the cachet of Molina's name rather than what his numbers are on the field. If your argument for Molina, again, is based on leadership, absolutely. That's fair, and I won't, I'm not going to dispute that. If, it, you know, if it's because of the cutoff for sentimentality, you got to be with a team for a dozen years before you can get sentimental, or 15 years, and Yachty clears the benchmark and Wong doesn't, okay, I can accept that too. I, I don't personally subscribe to it, but I'll accept that you do. That's okay. But if you argue that numbers is what you value, you're going to lose me there because I do think the comparison holds water. Going back to the, the the tweet reply that I've been kind of referencing throughout the podcast, Edmund's been really strong. Wong has been a little better than that, uh, but certainly more valuable statistically than Molina has been in the last couple of years. And when you look at Andrew Kisner, you can't say, well, Andrew Kisner's only got zero war compared to Yachty's 1.7. Andrew Kisner hasn't played. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten that opportunity. He, could, I mean, you remember Carson Kelly. It's kind of a similar situation. He never really had the opportunity. His batting averages were low. His numbers were unimpressive. But such a small sample size, you really can't look at it. Then he goes to Arizona, and it turns out he you know, hits 20 home runs in his first season there. Decent player. Certainly a major league caliber starting catcher, in my opinion. Just didn't get the chance with St. Louis. We don't really know what Kisner is right now or can be. And... You know, that's just the reality of, of life as a backup catcher on a team where Yadier Molina plays. But again, I, I'm not trying to frame this whole thing as either or you sign Yadier Molina or Colton Wong. That's not what I'm saying. There are plenty of reasons to bring back Molina. I think they should, honestly. At the end of the day, I'm not trying to talk you off that ledge and say, oh yeah, you can go cheap and not re-sign Yadier Molina. No, I think Yadier Molina should have the ability to finish his career on his terms as a Cardinal within reason. You're not going to pay him exorbitantly beyond what the market would pay. But that's why the Cardinals have gone through this process with him. They said, okay, go see what the market will will bear for you, and we'll be there waiting when you find out. And I, I guess Yachty has found out. It would seem that you know the market wasn't crazily out of step with what the Cardinals are willing to do, so he's probably going to come back to St. Louis. But you know, a lot of people sort of turn that – reply on Twitter into either or. I was saying either or, Yachty or Wong, when in reality, I just think he was pointing out the same disconnect kind of that I've noticed going all the way back to the end of the season Zoom that John Moselock did back in October when he announced the Cardinals weren't picking up the option on Wong. The team, like, they just had this immediate willingness to turn the page. We're going to go to Edmund. He even said in that press conference, like, yeah, we think Edmund will get the first crack. And this was before Arenado, so you know, Carpenter now obviously could be in the mix a little bit. But that was the way the Cardinals looked at it. Rather than straining to figure out a way to bring Wong back. You know, like, they didn't they haven't strained to do it with Wayno or, or Yachty. But it seems like certainly those guys are on the radar, whereas Wong was clearly in kind of a different category for the team, I think, from the beginning than the other two. And, and part of that could be because the Cardinals already back in October. I could be wrong, but maybe they had the inkling back then that this was finally going to be the winner, that they were going to make their push for Arenado, and they were going to get it done once and for all because they've been after him for years. And clearly at the time, they felt they needed the, the payroll flexibility to facilitate that move, and that was something they were upfront about from the beginning. Look, we like Colton Wong as a player, but we just where the revenues are at, we don't know with COVID, we don't know if we can have fans, uh, pardon me, fans coming to games next year, and if we're going to be able to be on 
even remotely the same plane from a revenue standpoint as we typically would have been, as we were in 2019, the last time that was a full regular baseball season with fans and the whole the whole deal. So, you know, that that's a reality, I think, that if they were already on the Arenado, Arenado train at that point in time, they thought, oh, if this is possible, we've got to make sure we have the maximum effort to throw at this because we don't know what kind of money Colorado is going to give us if this happens. Obviously, at the end of the day, Cardinals made out okay. They're getting $51 million, and really, all in all, they're not going to be responsible for Arenado's salary for 2021. Some of that money will be deferred, but they'll get it eventually. They'll get $15 million of it up front, according to reports. But that's kind of where I want to shift gears here, and I want to talk about the reality of why Wong is a brewer today. And it doesn't really pertain to Yachty. I've kind of delved into the tweet. Again, I thought it was an interesting conversation, relevant, kind of a bold statement to, to suggest that, well, you know, if you're going to go this route, if this is your logic, to, to get cheaper at a position where you have a replacement, does it not apply to catcher as well? You can go round and round, and again, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to say you should do one or the other. In my opinion, you could have done both. But here's why the Cardinals aren't able to do both, or they at least feel they can't. And it really does make sense. And that's why I'm not beating down the door saying the Cardinals screwed up in this moment not signing Colton Wong. Like, as much as I would have liked to have seen him back, you're not really going to hear me say that so definitively. Because this has everything to do with a topic that I've discussed before on the podcast, in writing, on Twitter. But it has not decreased at all in the in relevance throughout this process. And it's really as relevant as it's ever been, given that this is the week that Colton Wong departs and signs with a rival team for an affordable rate. I'm talking about the early extension to Matt Carpenter that the Cardinals gave out toward the beginning of the 2019 season. They re-upped early in 2019. I think it was April. But that was coming off the big 2018 that Carpenter had. where And, and people would like to debate that as well, where they say, well, he was terrible until mid-May, and then he had a couple great weeks, and then he was bad in September. Okay, well, it wasn't a couple great weeks. I'm going to be fair to the guy. He had a ridiculous stretch during the middle of the year that was close to two months. Might have been even more. And then he finished bad in September. But the numbers at the end of the day, if you look at the end of that season, still would rank very highly among each Cardinal team since in 2019 and 2020. You might not have a higher OPS in the entire bunch. Maybe Goldschmidt this past season had a better OPS than Carpenter in 18, but I don't know for sure off the top of my head. I'd have to look. But the Cardinals re-upped with him right off that 2018 season. And when they did that, they guaranteed a salary for 2020, which previously had just been a team option. And that's important to remember. Like, this was in 2019. It did not impact his salary for 2019. I think the season already had started, if I can remember correctly. Or was just getting ready to start. But when they did the extension, it was for 2020, guaranteeing that salary. And they had a guaranteed 2021 within that deal. And I think it's just like $18.5 million. It's basically the same number that the option would have been for, but they guaranteed it and lopped on another year, also guaranteed. And it's a move that did not need to happen on the timeline in which it occurred. And had the Cardinals just waited, and I, we've talked about this before, but it's so relevant now because we're talking about, all right, not only the money, but just the, the presence on the roster of a guy that you're paying, of a veteran player that you want to give an opportunity to to try and work his way back into relevance because you're, I mean, you're paying him regardless. 
People say, well, just cut Carpenter loose. No, there's no reason to do that. A lot of reasons not to do it. We can talk about them all on another day if we really want to. But my whole point is, if the Cardinals had just waited, they were in control of this situation, and there really was no risk. Like, Carpenter could not have walked at the end of 19 if the Cardinals wanted to keep him. They had the team option for 18-5, and let's say he has a massive 2019, even comparable to his 18. They could have just exercised the option for 2020 and went on their way with him. Like, that's all they would have had to have done. He plays out 2019. At the end of that year, you say, okay, you played really well. No-brainer. We're going to bring you back for 2020. You're a core member of our team. Perfect. Or if that, if at that point they wanted to, they could have negotiated with him. Then you've got an extension because you just saw him play the last, you know, guaranteed year, I guess, of his deal. Even though from a Cardinals perspective, 2020 would have been guaranteed. But at that point, one more year closer to free agency, I could see that, okay, if at the end of the season, you know, we're getting to July, he's playing well, that's not really the time that extensions are typically worked out. You could do it before that last season rather than let him actually go into free agency. Because he's been playing so well in 2018, 2019, assume he's going to play great in 2020. This isn't how it played out, but I'm just saying hypothetically. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt to say this is what they could have done, giving Carpenter the benefit to say, hey, let's assume he would have had a really great season. But at that point, you know, you're doing the extension. He's another year older anyway. You're closer to the free agency in baseball where right now free agents are just not getting, especially at that age, they're just not getting the kind of contracts that they once did. You know, those four-year $80 million deals for guys in their mid-30s, that's not a thing. Uh, unless really, really rare exceptions to that rule. In recent years, it just hasn't happened. But as it did turn out, Carpenter didn't have a great 2019. And at that point, he would have been coming to them, trying to rework a, a deal like for incentives, right? Like they did with Adam Wainwright. I think that was in 2018, coming off of 2018, rather, when he was injured throughout the year. But then by September, it clicked, and he realized, hey, I still kind of want to pitch. Cardinals certainly had no reason to see him go anywhere else. Wainwright's talked about it. He said, they're the only team that really would assign me at that point. But the Cardinals took a chance and said, you know, you've given so much to us, we're going to give you this shot. And he's earned everything since. Matt Carpenter could have been in a similar situation, not talking about entering 2021, but entering last year, this could have been the case. So the Cardinals could have saved 18 and a half last year. You know, they would have declined the option, paid him the buyout, whatever it would have been. They would have reworked something for a few million and then incentives to get you up maybe closer to what you would have had on a guarantee had you been performing, had you been healthy. And that would have been all she wrote. But as it is, Cardinals spent that 18-5 on Carpenter last year. And, you know, 2020 was bad for everybody with the COVID situation. But he didn't have a great season. He was worse than, than he was in 2019, which is why heading into 2021, you don't have a ton of confidence, right, that he's going to bounce back. I say he can. I really, for his sake, I really would like to see the DH actually happen because I think that would be a perfect scenario. He wouldn't have to really worry about playing defensively. Edmund could mostly be the second baseman. And when Carpenter plays, which could be four or five times a week, it could be as a DH and he could try to find his hitting stroke back, find his, his batter's eye. He's always had a great batter's eye, but just has not been able to produce at all as far as power hitting, gap hitting like he used to do. The shift has certainly played into a factor on that and have his struggles in recent years. But I think Carpenter, if you'd say, all right, we've got Arenado, we've got Goldschmidt, 
got this young kid, Dylan Carlson. We've got DeYoung maybe going to bounce back. We've got guys in the heart of this order. Don't worry, you know, don't put so much pressure on yourself, Matt. You can you can bat six, you can bat seven in the batter's order and potentially find yourself again as DH. I think that would be a real good thing for him. But again, may not end up seeing the DH this year, so it might just be a, a moot point. But that's really what it all boils down to for me. And I think it is worth mentioning the week that Colton Wong goes to the Brewers for, uh, what was his contract again? Two years, $9 million per year. Oh, goodness, that's $18 million. And the Cardinals, uh, counting 2020 and 2021 together, that's $18 million twice that they're paying to Matt Carpenter that I'm not saying I would have got rid of Matt Carpenter. I would have. It just would have been a different contract that he would have been under, which would have probably opened up a little bit more of the funding for Colton Wong. And you also wouldn't have felt compelled to say, well, we we don't really need Wong because we've got Edmund and Carpenter that are going to handle second base. You know, just talking about the 26-man roster or whatever it ends up being, we, we can't fill it up with too many infielders that have, you know, an expectation of playing time. Like, the kind of infielder the Cardinals are going to bring in is probably this year's Brad Miller, which Miller ended up playing a lot last year because he hit. But, like, bring in a guy that doesn't have a decade of experience in the organization – isn't the starting second baseman and has been for years, talking about Wong, you're bringing in a lower tier of free agent or you're going internal and somebody from, you know, that would have been on the AAA squad is now riding your bench and he's going to get some opportunities here and there. Maybe it's like an Edmundo Sosa type if they don't make any moves for the last bench spot, something like that. Cardinals, just in terms of bodies, they've, they've got enough of them on the infield to where they just didn't feel compelled to pay Colton Wong that that salary, even though I think it would have won them more games. So I understand once you sign that Carpenter contract and once you have him around for this season and have Tommy Edmond and have made the decision, a very good decision, by the way, to go get Nolan Arenado, Cardinals are looking at it like, look, I mean, we've kind of got our infield where we want it and Couple that in with the fact that they are going to bring back Wayno, which I think is good. They, they they still need another pitcher after Wainwright, most likely. And people have been asking me about this. I mean, well, I'm counting the names. They've got seven or eight starters that you could potentially, like, listen, I don't think you really want to use all those guys if you don't have to. You remember how trying that got last year. I think you want one more veteran starting pitcher in this uh, in this mixture because you know two of them are getting hurt. During spring training, two of them will go down. It just happens. That's the way you have to plan. You can't go in saying, I I really like the look of these five starters. We're in good shape. It just doesn't work that way. You saw it last year. You saw it the year before that. I mean, think back every spring training pretty much. That's kind of the way it goes. Throw in a COVID-related season where you're you're playing doubleheaders and you're on a a wacky schedule. Hopefully everybody's had the chance to get their offseason kind of in a comfortable place where they want to be. But there's no guarantee there aren't going to be plenty of injuries to go around this season. So from a starter perspective, yeah, you need Wainwright. And I understand why you need Molina. Again, I think they should sign him. They're going to sign him. It's going to be great. But it's unfortunate to me that not only is Colton Wong kind of the odd man out as a result of a domino effect, right? It's not just that you've got to have Yachty. It's not just that you've got to re-sign Wayno. It's not just that there was a global pandemic. It's not just that Matt Carpenter's here. 
oh, and he's making this kind of salary where it almost commands a longer leash, more playing time than you'd otherwise feel compelled to give a player like that? It's all these things combined that have added up to Cardinals just didn't feel they had room for Colton Wong. Throwing the Arenado deal, by the way, I mean, it's probably a different story. Or at least I would say there's there's reason to be compelled to anger a little more easily if you're a Cardinals fan and they don't have Arenado and they let Colton Wong go to the Brewers for $9 million a year. Like, we don't have to live in that world. We don't have to think about what that would have been like. Maybe the Cardinals would, if, if Arenado fell through this week, maybe the Cardinals circle back on Wong and they end up getting him. Who knows? But when you add up all these different things that have that have happened or are going to happen over the last couple of years, dating back to the Carpenter extension that didn't need to occur when it did, costing the Cardinals a little more money than they needed to pay, getting Arenado, and having these other legacy players, there's no question about it that Yachty and Wayno are exactly that. You have these legacy guys that, unfortunately, for Colton Wong, they happen to be legacy free agents in the same exact year that Wong did. And so I, I, think, I think Wong is the kind of guy that's going to roll with the punches. He's going to fit in really well with Milwaukee. But it's kind of you got to feel hurt a little bit, you know, and, and whether you share that or not, it's got to be a little bit of a disappointment to think about the legacy that uh, was potentially awaiting him. Like, Matt Carpenter got the opportunity. His deal was a legacy deal. He's not a Hall of Famer like Yachty potentially is. He's not the level of equity within the organization that Wayno has, having been here since 05, you know. Carpenter was around in 2011. He he came on very end of that year. I, I'm not even sure how much he even played, but he was kind of around. 2012, making postseason moments as a kind of a, a rookie upstart and, and has had some seriously good seasons. Offensively seasons that Colton Wong's never had, which I'll acknowledge that. But give, give Colton credit for the skills that he possesses. You know, the skills that he possesses are gold glove defense, and the ability to get on base, which he's done at a high rate over the last few years, especially relative to some of the other Cardinals on the team, which is why Wong was your leadoff guy. So with what they had asked him to do and what his skill set is, he performed it well. That worked well enough for a lot of Cardinals fans, talking about, you know, going back to the 80s, a lot of the fan favorites. It's not like Ozzie Smith was hitting home runs, except for that one famous one. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Ozzie Smith's game, for what it was, was exceptional, and Cardinals fans adore him for it. I'm not saying Colton Wong's Ozzie Smith. Whitey ball, folks, slow down. Don't try to light me on fire for that. I'm just saying, I think maybe there's a little bit of bad timing for Wong to become a free agent, to, to have this option come out when it did. Talking about the other guys that the Cardinals have simply decided, for understandable reasons, that they've got to bring back. Also happened to be the the winter that the Rockies finally relented on Nolan Arenado. So all these things happen, and, and Colton Wong's kind of caught in the crosshairs. He's going to roll with the punches and be okay for it. But I, I did want to take take a time, if nothing else, 45 minutes, to kind of lay out my reasoning for like, you know, I'm not saying Colton Wong got screwed, but it, he kind of got screwed. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just one of those things that he didn't do nothing wrong, and – in the scope of this specific decision, you couldn't even really say the Cardinals did anything wrong. Like, plenty of Cardinals fans clearly think they did the exact right thing. It's totally fine. Tommy Edmonds is going to be great, and he will be. 
but it's just unfortunate that the result of all those decisions, dating all the way back to early 2019, I think it's kind of landed us where we are today with Colton Wong as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers. So we'll see if opening day, if any fans get to go attend that game, Bush Stadium, Colton Wong will be there. I hope he's leading off for the Brewers. That'd be awesome. Because if he is, he'll still be the first batter to bat in that game. He Colton Wong could very well be the next batter to bat in a real game at Bush Stadium. I hope he is. But that's going to do it for today. I appreciate you guys for listening. This was kind of a long one, but I had a lot to get out, and so glad you guys stuck with me for it. Please go ahead and subscribe if you've not done so already to B-Shafe Daily. You can do that by going to anchor.fm slash bshafer12, and there will be all the outlets that you can find the podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify is a big one. Anywhere you get your podcast, you're going to be able to find us. And so just search on the app, whatever app you use, B-Shape Daily. Put it into your search bar. should be able to find it. Click subscribe. Then you'll be locked in on the ride for us throughout the Cardinals baseball season and off season, And we'll be good to go there. Hit me up on Twitter if you haven't done so already. It's at bshafer 12 there as well. You'll find me, bshafer 12 pretty much anywhere you're going to look social media-wise. Uh, send me a DM on Twitter. Give me some ideas for future podcasts. And you can even leave me a voice message if you want to be on the show featured with your voice heard. You can do that at anchor.fm slash bshafer12 slash message. Appreciate you guys all once again. Going to wrap things up here. Until the next time, this has been another edition of B-Shape Daily. Thanks and have a good day, everybody.